just got back from our 10-year anniversary this last week. It was super awesome. Nope. Twelve. Moving on to the word of the Lord here this morning. For those at home, I'm married 12 years. Sorry. Sorry, man. You were married for 12 years, I guess. All right, here we go. We, um, I'm going to try to recap as quickly as possible. This is week four in a series that we're doing called Understanding Spiritual Gifts. And um, today, this is out of, uh, this whole series is slightly out of my comfort zone. It's more of a teaching than it is like a preaching. And so um, you just got to know that I'm, I'm doing my best to lean into something that's not easy. And so uh, in basketball, they would consider this the left-handed layup. You know, like you got to practice things that you're not good at uh, for the sake of the team. And uh, this is, you're the team I'm teaching today. Here we go. Uh, four weeks. Uh, week one, we talked about Jesus, um, the, God, the, the Trinity, God the Father giving us the gift of the Son, Jesus Jesus giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, it's better for you that I go away. You have to understand the Holy Spirit is God on earth right now. Most people are about Jesus or about the Father, but you have to understand the priority of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he is just about everything. When you understand scripture or you get convicted on any way, any God speaking to you on any level, it's all happening through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he's critical to the development of the church. Uh, and he gets the lesser praise Really, um, it's, it's unfortunate. We need him. The, uh, when Jesus was about to go to the cross, he prayed uh, um, for the church. Um, he, he was praying for the lost to be saved. But rather than praying for the salvation of the lost, he prayed for the unity of the church, that we would be so strong that the world um, would see us and recognize power and unity and love. With that being said, the gifts of the Spirit. Week two, we talked about the 16 gifts of the Spirit. And what's important for you to understand is that every time the gifts of the Spirit are mentioned, it's for the unity and the development of the church. Uh, if we don't have all of the gifts and we just pick some, we lack. Think of it like a limb or a leg, an ear or something that just doesn't work. You know how like when you stub your toe and now all of a sudden you keep stubbing your toe and you don't know how to walk anymore or just like little parts of your body that you didn't realize how much you need it until you have a back pain or until you have a toothache and, and everything all of a sudden you recognize the need of the body. Well, the problem is there are sometimes in the body of Christ where we think we're doing well without a part of the body. So when he goes over the 16 spiritual gifts, there are many more that aren't listed, but he lists a few. It's critical that you are all involved and you all understand that you have a gift placed in you because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the gift that you have is not for you. It's for me. Yes. It's for us. And you have to understand. I mean, I realize, man, this is a big problem in the modern church today is that the gifts inside of us, we don't know what they are, and we don't know how to use them. And so when Paul starts going over all of these gifts, he implies at the end of chapter 12, we're going to do three chapters. Chapter 12 was all the gifts. Chapter 13, at the end of 12, he says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. I want to teach you about greater gifts than the gifts I just mentioned, but I'm going to show you a more excellent way. The most important thing we do is not utilize our gifts. Wait, what? So there's a gift inside. Yeah, the most important thing we do is love. We have to love radically, especially in this time. I mean, we are filled with hatred right now. This world is just angry right now. And Christ is everything that is not that. We are love. The church should be filled with such passion for people that don't think like us, agree with us. Like we love because Christ first loved us. So with the same love that he loves us, we must love the world. And when we are filled with passion for him and passion for each other, the gifts come out. Yeah. I'm going to try to explain that more and more today. But when we love others before ourselves, and you have to understand first time out, that's supernatural. We are, it is in our DNA to care about myself first. But when we put others before ourselves, this is what 
marriage is. This is what Christ did for us. He gave us life and chose death. And this is what we do when we serve and lay down our lives. So um, gifts are 12. 13 was, the, if this is an Oreo cookie, which is what I consider the um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 to 14. The double stuff is in the middle. Uh, 14 is, is really important. And we're going to get into this. And this is a hard teaching uh, for the church. I can't speak for the church down the street. I can't speak for um, the global church, but I can say for the Way Community Church, this is a hard one. And it's a, especially a hard one in Lakeland because of what we've seen. So we're going to talk today a lot about tongues and prophecy. And these are two gifts that the Apostle Paul says are greater gifts. Yes. They're supernatural. And I'm not going to lie, they're, they're weird. Um, they, they can be odd and, and they can be abused. And in Lakeland especially, we have seen moves of God that have damaged people. And it's, it's, I'm, I, it hurts me. But you have to understand how critical this is to the body of Christ. And I'm going to try to dig to it. So today, uh, there's a couple subjects that I'm going to highlight before I even read these passages. Paul is going to dive into uh, three things, in my opinion. Um, you can pick out what you want. But I believe he's going to dive into three things. He's going to dive into desire. He's going to dive into um, uh, what, tongues and prophecy. And, and the last thing is he's going to dive into edification and order in the church. And so that's really, in my opinion, what sums up the whole like l last part of this Oreo cookie. is Order and, and edification, tongues and prophecy, and, and a great desire. With that being said, I'm going to read... 1 Corinthians 14 to you. If I read the whole thing, it would take 10 minutes. I'm going to read about 40 verses, though. I'm not lying. And I'm a terrible reader, so you have to know this is God already telling me to do this. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of stuff happening, and I have seen in this body people that have dismissed what God wants us to do. And the problem is, if we need unity in the church and we need the gifts of God in the church in order for us to reach the lost then we need the gifts that God is saying are priority, even if they're uncomfortable for us. Yes. And this is, uh, is yes. going to be uncomfortable for everyone, even if these two gifts are easy for you. And I'll explain why in a minute. Are you still with me? Yes. Cool. Let's read these verses. We're going to put them on the screen for you, and, uh, and we're going to try to attach the verses. This is all 1 Corinthians chapter 14 found in the New King James Version. First verse, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, but he, but for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, uh, unless indeed he interprets, that the church may then receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you with either by revelation, by knowledge, or prophesying, or by teaching? These are the only ways that you're going to be edified, not by speaking in tongues. So even, even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit will pray, but my understanding is unfruitful. You got to get this. Because some of you are like, I don't get this stuff. What's happening here? Paul is um, super arrogant, I think, a lot of times in Scripture. And he says this, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding uh, that I may teach others than 10,000 words in tongues. Okay? I have to keep going. This is where it's important for all y'all Pentecostal folk up in here. Therefore, tongues are, uh, are, are for a sign, not for those who believe, but for unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. 
Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, like this morning, and everyone here speaks with tongues, and there come in some who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that all of you folks are out of your mind? Yeah, we'll look crazy. I'm going to show you. Um, I lost my place. Um, okay. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he will be convinced by all. He is convicted by all. Thus, the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among these people. How is it then, brethren, uh, like the woman um, at the well, when Jesus just knew her life? She had no reason but to turn because these folks just knew. How is it then, brethren, when you come together that each of you should have a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, and has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three at the most three, each in turn, let one interpret. So he's saying, if someone's going to speak in tongues, we need to have interpretation. It should be done in order, one at a time. Uh, because he's saying, Pentecostal people have a way of getting out of hand and thinking that there should be no order. Uh, because if we're really being spirit-led, then we should not have a plan. But he's saying, y'all need to have a plan. Um, all right, so let all things be done for their edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, there should be two or at the most three, each in turn, let one interpret. If there are no interpreter, then let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself uh, and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let others judge. I think that's also important for what we come here later. Super spiritual people don't like it when people judge them for being spiritual. Um, but here's the thing, your pastor... You guys are judging me right now. Where we should always be judged. And if we're doing this right, we should be accountable and teachable to the way that we're doing the things that we believe God is leading us to do. If we are not rebukable, we're not being led by the Spirit. Because Jesus said that I'm actually only going to say the things that the Father tells me. And the Spirit is only going to tell you the things that I tell Him. They're always submitting to each other. The body of Christ is always submitting to each other. I must submit myself to my wife. She always submits herself to me. We submit to each other. This is how it works. We have a board in our church. I submit myself to the board. And the board corrects me. Uh, and I submit myself to the other pastors on staff. If you're better than me, you've already missed it. Because that's not the way the Blessed Trinity worked. Verse 32 says this, um, the spirit of the prophet are subject to the prophet. That's super important. What he's saying is um, God's not going to do it through you. Uh, I will get there. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And in all the churches of the saints. Verse 39, therefore uh, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues but let all things be done decently and in order. All right, so I have to rewind it back. Jesus prayed for unity in the church. He felt like unity would be what draw the loss to come in. But if there's going to be unity, we need the spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 10 and Galatians and all these, like, like it's the edification of the body using their giftings that actually makes us one. We're only going to be good if all of the gifts are present. We'll be the most strong at that point. We need all the gifts. So I'm going to end with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 really quick and jump into 14. Watch this. The Apostle Paul would end talking about what the gifts are. The first point I believe that Paul's going to make in all of 1 Corinthians 14 as he's trying to teach us about spiritual gifts. If you want to understand spiritual gifts and understand that you have a gift and how do I unlock it, he would say this. The end of 12 says this. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. He's going to say, do all prophesy, do all heal the sick, are all healers, do all have gifts of administration? Certainly you don't have all of them. Certainly our church doesn't have all of these gifts, but I want you to desire greater gifts. Wait, what? 
greater gifts? The NKJV says the best gifts. Um, so there are some gifts that are more important for the church. Now that sounds like heresy, Tim. Why would you say that? I didn't say it. The Apostle Paul said it. I think it's really important that you understand that you don't listen to what I'm teaching today and consider this gospel. Please research this. Okay? So he's going to dedicate a whole chapter to talking about um, tongues and prophecy as if these gifts are super important for the church to excel. I think that we need to have administration and helps and mercy. It's critical for mercy in the church. We don't have mercy in the church. You get people prophesying, it's going to get messy in here, yo. We're going to hurt some people's feelings. We need mercy. But there are some things that are going to just require some supernatural ability. And, uh, but the beautiful thing is, if we get helps and acts of service and administration in here, we can organize and do a lot of things. But if someone can walk into someone's life and prophesy, I can touch a nerve way faster because I can know something that no one else could have known but the Lord. So prophecy is like, whoa. Yes, yes, yes. And Paul's saying, I desire that you prophesy. But he's going into this and he's saying, I want you to, pers- uh, I'm sorry, eagerly desire And my problem is I get nervous that the modern day church has lost desire. We've lost the, we are, C.S. Lewis said that we've eaten for so long at the table of the world that we we no longer desire to eat from the table of the Lord. We're just full of crap. And what God wants to do is do something that is out of our ability and out of our reach. And that's difficult because you have to push yourself to be physically fit. You have to push yourself to be physically disciplined in your body. Like, this is hard to stay wanting. But he's talking about desire. I want you to eagerly desire. Now, the more important way, he says, is love. Love, love. I don't care how much you prophesy or speak in tongues. If you don't have love, you're making noise. I don't care how much you give to the poor. If you don't have love, you're just, you're giving away. I don't care if you're martyred or anything. Like give yourself. If you don't have love, you're, you're nothing. In 14, he's going to pick right back up where he left off. And he says this. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you prophesy. What he does not say here is he does not say, I want you to to pursue spiritual gifts. He is not saying to pursue uh, tongues. He is not saying to pursue prophecy. He is not saying to pursue healing. He's saying to pursue love. And I think that it can be really, really damaging in the church today is if we inflate ourselves with the desire to be great and possess gifts because it puffs ourselves up. Look at how great I am. Look at how much I speak in tongues. Look at how loud I worship. Look at how much I dance. Everyone watch me. I'm so gifted. It's dangerous. But he says, if you pursue love, you will care so much about someone that you can't help but sacrifice for them. You can't help but serve them. You can't help but desire to pray for them. And you will can't help but the burden that you have now for them feels like you might be seeing something that they don't see in their own life. Oh, crap, what do I do with this? That's a prophecy. I I feel like there's a hurt area in your life. Or I feel like, and, and you don't have to know anything crazy to care. Love covers a multitude of sins. Eagerly desire. He would go on to say again in verse 12, so it is with you, since you you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in the ones that are going to build up the church. Then he's going to say, therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Why is it that we have seen such a discord in styles of churches? It frustrates me to no end that churches can't come together. You either have these super spiritual churches that have no order at all. They don't have a plan. There's, the service is going to go on for 16 hours. Uh, we're going to just gonna let the spirit go. And it, they, don't, they don't have a, the band didn't practice. We're just going to go with it. We're going we're gonna to flow in the spirit. The problem is people get saved and we don't know where they're going to go afterwards. They get saved. We don't have a plan for that. Or we have these other churches that have a plan and don't want to do any of that stuff that the scripture is saying is powerful. And if Jesus did it, I want to do it. 
If my Savior, Jesus, said that the things that I have done, you will do yet even greater things than these. And so I think out of fear, we have prevented ourselves from desiring things that are beyond our reach. We've told ourselves that we're not good enough, or what if we get it wrong? I don't want to get something wrong for God, so I'll just play it safe. And we're getting safer and safer and safer, and we're missing supernatural things that God is trying to give us. And I am trying to tell you today that I believe with all of my heart that if we lose passion, we should give up right now. This is religion. We're nothing more than a country club. We believe that people are broken. I believe that some of us are broken. There may be people on my staff that are broken. And we need to see the Spirit of God come in such a way that He brings healing and understanding and clarity like never before. And the reality is is that sometimes prophecy, like you're not going to get it all from your pastor. I don't know if you understand this, but some of you have exalted this ministry to too high. I can't hear everything that God's doing. I only know my lane. So I need you to be in your lane. Some of you are going to get a word for me today. Yeah. Pastor, you, um, that was... Um, <laughs> the enemy of progress is comfort. And if we lose our desire, man, we, we, we have found comfort in too many other places other than in the Holy Spirit. Like, I want nothing more than for us to be in the house of God and be comfortable but I want to be sitting at the Lord's table with great desire for what God's going to do. I want to have expectations in the church that when people come in, they're going to sense that God is moving and doing. We've got to get back to desiring greater things. And it's, it's birthed out of love. It's birthed out of radical desire for Jesus. And then you get his heart for the loss and you realize, man, I, I, I feel what you're going through. I care. And I need the power of God to make a difference in that situation for your life. Does this make sense? Yes. Cool. First thing he's going to address is desire. The second thing he's going to address is tongues and prophecy. In verse 22, he says, Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. And prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but therefore believers. I didn't know that. I got to be honest with you. This week, I think I learned that. And I've read this like a million times. I thought it was the other way. It's a supernatural thing that's happening, though, when someone is speaking in tongues. And it requires a tremendous amount of faith to speak a language you don't know and you don't know what it's saying or what it means. You may have been in a situation where you've seen it happen and it looks super weird. It is weird. It looks like this. Tere shakti man prabhu hum tere aap hum tere singhasan pe aate prabhu hum apne jeevan aur apne parivar tere haathon pe dete prabhu prabhu aa prabhu aa tu mahan hai prabhu tu apne jeevan apne jeevan hum tere haathon pe sopte prabhu tu mahan hai prabhu tu mahan hai prabhu aa prabhu aa Caleb wasn't speaking in tongues just now so if you're wondering where the goosebumps are he was speaking in Hindi uh, but it's weird when someone is speaking another language even if you don't know what it is Because you feel like they should be talking to you or including you in the conversation. (laughs) If I don't understand you, why are you keep going? (laughs) Caleb is speaking in Hindi. Uh, It's one of the six languages Caleb knows. Sweet Jesus. (laughs) Um, But when speaking in tongues happens in the church, it seems weird because you don't know what's going on. And that's why the Apostle Paul says um, it's important that there's clarity in what's happening because although you may be being edified, we are not. So when I said that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, if the spirit of God is coming on you, he said it. If there's no interpreter, stay quiet, right? Because you're being weird and the lost don't know what's going on and it's making it confusing. You understand? We don't want to see where things happen in church. We want it to be like normal, okay? There's a time and a place to speak in tongues. You can do it in your own closet. Uh, but So what I want you to know is that what is speaking in tongues? Uh, it's a supernatural ability where you come to the end of your rope. You don't know what else to pray. The Spirit of God is on you in a powerful way, and you feel led to pray words you don't understand. It's actually designed to edify you. There are three different kinds of tongues. 
One is going to happen on the missions field where um, you would see a missionary uh, or a pastor in another country trying to communicate the gospel to someone that speaks a different language. And this has happened thousands of times where the, the person speaks in faith. It, we see it in Acts chapter 2, and it's interpreted in a different language. The second kind of tongues um, would look like this. Thank you, Caleb. Now that would be weird if that just happened, but the beautiful thing is that he was being edified right now when he was praying, but I, knew, I do know the interpretation of what he was going to say, because we talked about it earlier today. He's praying in Hindi again. Uh, he, I asked him to uh, speak in one of the other ones, but uh, Hindi's going to work better for me probably. Because So anyways, he, he basically said that God loves you and that he has a plan for your life and that God is calling you to step into new levels and that he wants to break off shame and condemnation in your life. Amen. Now that's powerful if Caleb is talking to God and he's speaking in a language that none of us know and someone recognizes that language across the room and says, oh, I'm hearing that language of God in a language that I somehow understand. Let me tell everyone what's going on. God is speaking to the house today, and it looks like this. Does that make sense? But what you need to know is that tongues, for the most part, again and again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he's going to say that tongues are for your personal edification. It's for your personal development. Let me show you. Um... Anyone who's, uh, I'm sorry, Paul said, first, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So when I'm praying, I'm praying far more than you guys are to myself in a language that God has given me to communicate with him. The next time he's going to say in verse four, for anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. There's going to be several times where he's going to say, when you speak in tongues, your spirit understands, but your mind does not. Okay? I have no idea what's going on. All I know is I'm getting strength. In my darkest hour, your pastor in his darkest hour, when I, I don't know how to carry the church, when I quit, on, Pastor Tommy Barnett used to always say this. He'd say that I, I, every week I, I quit church on Sunday and I go to work on Monday. Sometimes Sundays are just rough days and I just hate all of you and I hate myself and I feel like a failure and, and I have to, I pray in the Holy Spirit over myself to give myself strength. When marriage is hard or finances are hard or things are going on with my kids that I don't understand what to do anymore, I pray in the Holy Spirit. It strengthens me in a different way than what I would have done. Let me show you to this way. In Romans chapter 8, verse 30, 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the will of God. So when I don't know how to pray, I pray in the Spirit. Oftentimes what happens is I'll get a word or an understanding or an impression of one of you and I'll know that I need to pray for you. I don't have a prophetic word or like 25 sentences. Today God spoke to me to preach a message to you. Um, I have to come back to that thought. I need you to understand that speaking in tongues is important. Now how do you develop the gift? Well, it's important... Um, no one can teach you how to speak in tongues. I've seen preachers do this. Super dangerous. Um, I, you're going to get to a place where you're in prayer and the Holy Spirit's on you and you don't know what to say, but, but, but I don't know. And you go with it. When I understood God's voice for the first time in my life, he called me to come to him. All I knew is that he wanted me. That was the first word I ever heard to, from God was come. The second one I understood was that this is good. I, I, I felt like God was all over me and it just, I, man, I could jump through a wall. This is, I need more of this. The next thing I learned in, in the spirit of God was no. No, this is bad. You can't do that. It's bad. And I began to learn the language of God in my own life one word at a time. When I learned to speak it, I said it one word at a time. 
And I said it in faith, and God met me. I, I don't know how to understand, like, if you think that you're not going to speak in tongues unless you understand it, congratulations, you're never going to get this. This is a gift you'll never have. Why you say that, Pastor? Because you're never going to understand God. Explain to me how salvation works or grace. That's not fair. It doesn't even make sense. It's not logical that God would love me. Explain uh, why forgiveness is so good for me. Letting someone back in my life that did harm to me. Explain to me how giving my finances that I work so hard for is good to me when I give it away. The kingdom of God doesn't make sense, but every part of it is good for my soul. And right from the moment you decide to make Jesus Lord, you decided that you weren't going to be the Lord of your life anymore. And so you have to learn how to yield yourself to him if you're going to advance the kingdom of God. So for those of you that have never spoken tongues, how do I do it? I don't know. Follow him one word at a time. Is that fair enough? Many times that happens in an altar like this. Many times it does not happen in an altar like this. It happens alone in your car. It happens alone at your house. It happens like, let God lead you. And that's all I can say about that. I do believe that tongues is possible. I have to keep going. I'm, um, yeah. I believe that everyone can speak in tongues in this church. It does not mean that everyone will. The scriptures in 1 Corinthians says, does everyone heal? Does everyone speak in tongues? Does everyone prophesy? Certainly not. It doesn't say, can everyone heal? Certainly not. Like, does, it doesn't say, can everyone speak in tongues? Certainly not. It says, do they? No. And everyone here doesn't have the gift of administration. And everyone here doesn't have the gift of mercy. And everyone here doesn't have the gift of wisdom. Huh. But can everyone possess wisdom? I certainly hope so. <laughs> can everyone have the gift of mercy? I believe God's called you to. I believe everyone in this room is supposed to have the gift of administration on some level. I don't have it. But like this much. Every email that I send to one of you, Brady has to read it. And t- there's like four people that reads one of my emails before I hit send. I can't organize the alphabet. But I can be administrative. I'm just not very, gr- I don't excel in that gift. Does that make sense? There are some things that when love comes on me, I'll do better. And some of you, when love comes on you, you want to organize the church. And that's critical that I submit to people that have a process. And we all work together. You can speak in tongues. And the Apostle Paul says, I wish that you would speak in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. You can. It doesn't mean that you're going to be the tongues talker for the church, but you can. And it does mean that you can prophesy. You can get a word for your mom, your sister, or your brother that God loves them. You can give them a word of a, a scripture, and that's very, very, very prophetic. If we can't speak on behalf of God, what are we doing? We're salt and light of the earth. We're ambassadors for God. So if we aren't even on the most shallow basic level interpreting for God, our religion's dead. I can't speak for the church down the street or anything else, but I believe here, the problem isn't disorder. It's um, many of us have seen it and chose that we don't want it. And many of us haven't done it in years because they got hurt by someone else who did something like it. And I'm sorry that the enemy attacked you, but I want you to know the enemy attacks all of us. That's right. He atta- like sometimes in my marriage, the enemy will come against us. Sometimes it'll be your pastor or someone sitting next to you. You know, they're sitting in your seat today and that's just a, it's spiritual warfare today. You know, um, you think it's funny, but like this happens in churches. Um, and, and you just, it, the enemy is, is coming at you in a way that you didn't see it coming, but we can't throw out things that God has said is good and say that it's not good because I don't understand it. There's a lot of things that I don't understand that is good. That's right. Like my wife. <laughs> Never understand her. All right, cool. I have to keep going. The third thing that is important is edification and order. 
Anyone who speaks in tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. And so what I need you to understand is that there are people that think that they are doing good in what they're doing, but it's not good for all of us. The mouth itself is a great example, and that's what tongues is, right? I love to eat Oreo double stuffed cookies, yes. but it's not good for me. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's, it's hurting me, but I love it. It tastes so good. Reese peanut butter cups. It tastes so good to eat a whole bag of Doritos, right? Anyone else? Uh, it's, it, 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 I think it's good, but it's not good for, for me. There's also been so many times in my life where I said something I thought was good, and I just can't take the words back fast enough. Paul's saying that's what's happening in the church, that people are getting carried away doing something for God out of order, and... Um, there's supposed to be order to it. That's not the problem that we have in our church. So if you're new here, this is a different kind of teaching for me. I don't approach subjects like this very often. And I can't speak for the church on the street, but I, w- I wish that some people would just stand up and speak in tongues. We need it. We need some people to stand up and say, I have a word of the Lord. There's, there's not many times that I can ever re- recall in the history of our church that someone came to me with a, with a prophecy and said, hey, I think I have a word that I was like, nah, we're going to find a way to get that in here. Because if God's speaking to you, we want to be a part of it. Even if it's wrong, I'll go out on a limb. You're what? Are you serious? Yeah, man, I, I, I got to let you know, I, like your preacher who's like so good and so anointed, I, I can't tell you how many times I went home driving and God was like, dude, you, you, you didn't even say half of what I told you to say today. You know, and I just, it's, it's hard. We're going to get it wrong. We're going to get it wrong. But it's important that we understand that we need each other. Uh, verse 40 says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And so um, if you're willing to let me coach you, or let our staff coach you, we can get better at it. Here's something that's crazy to me. I thought of this uh, last week. Uh, there's a guy, um, uh, Patrick Mahomes. I'm not watching football this year, the NFL. Uh, not because uh, I don't, I'm not boycotting the NFL. I just, um, my, my team sucks. And so I, I choose to, to not watch it. But there's this guy, Patrick Mahomes. He's only in the NFL for four years. And the NFL, statistically, is, is the biggest uh, sports organization, but the lowest paid of all athletes. And there's a guy who um, got paid this year. He's only been in the NFL for four years, and they don't have to renew his contract for six years, but they decided to pay him half a billion dollars, the biggest contract in any sports history. Half a billion dollars they paid a kid who's barely old enough to drink alcohol. Um, And uh, what's really funny is they paid him half a billion dollars, and he has a coach and a coach and a coach and a coach, and none of them have ever been half as good as he's been every day of his life. Yet they coach him. What that tells me is that he can be so great at something and still be wrong. And people who aren't nearly as talented can see what's in his blind spot. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, technically it worked this time, but it could work so much better if you tweak this because the next time it may not work that well because you're still doing it wrong. The fundamentals got to be better. You understand? This is how we work together. Here's the last thing I wanted to show you real quick. This is a quote by Michael Jordan. I think that this is huge. He says, "Um, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. What? I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed it. I have failed over and over and over and over again in my life, and that's why I succeed. Here's the problem that we have with spiritual gifts. Many of you are sitting in the boat telling yourself that unless you understand all of how gravity is going to work when you stand on water, you're never going to do it. (laughs) And I'm telling you, you're never going to do it if that's the case. This whole thing is a faith walk. We're trusting that God is going to do something supernatural in our life. And many of us are fearful of what's going to happen if we get it wrong. And the problem is, is that's not good doctrine. Because the God that you love and you serve, the God that loves you, is never angry at you 
when you're trying to love him. Yes, come on. I don't need you as your pastor. I don't need you to get it right. I don't need you to have perfect theology. I don't. I need us to work together. And if the more we work together, the more this thing's going to work its way out. But so many of us are, are we feel like we've got to be perfect. Uh, there was a gentleman who gave a testimony a couple weeks ago that I heard this, and he said he was high up in this really, really big company, making lots of money. And his boss would ask him to, Deb, would you come? His boss would ask him to get up in front of thousands of employees and give a speech. And he said he, he was not good at talking to people, but if his, his boss asked him to do it, he would do it. And he did it several times. But he said if he would go to church and God would ask him to speak to someone next to him, he felt like he couldn't do that, even though he would do something greater than him. And I believe it's because we put a pressure on ourselves that's not fair. And it doesn't come from a loving father. How would you prophesy? I'd say this. If you're praying, um, if Jameson, if you're praying uh, for, for Dean here, and you're just, God, I, and I really pray that you do great things in his life, you're going to get an impression in your life. And it may just, it may be an image, a vision, or something like that. Here's, here's what we don't want. I don't want Jameson to go talk to Dean in the parking lot and tell him, um, I know who you're going to marry, Dean. Um, and she's uh, on the front row and she's blah, blah, blah. You know, like, listen, if anyone has a gift, <laughs> Dean wants this prophecy, right? Um, uh, listen, um, there's, there's no one in this room that's that gifted. Uh, if you are, you'd have your own ministry. Here's what you need to know. If you get a word for someone, if you were to come up to me and, and say, hey, I have a word for you, first thing that's going to happen in me is the same thing that's going to happen in you. Walls are going to go up. You're going to try to want to listen, but the whole time your heart is trying to listen, your brain is going to overanalyze everything that they're saying. And so instead of listening, you're having this warfare going on here, and it ain't, ain't not effective. You get a word for someone, write it down. Yeah. Or be accountable and bring someone else into this situation. And it's okay to be wrong. Your pastor is telling you this. Because I want you to love. If the greatest thing you do is go up to someone you don't know and say, hey, can I pray for you? What a beautiful thing. You'll find moves of God in your life like you've never understood. I don't want you to, to pursue spiritual gifts. I want you to pursue love. I want your heart to break for the lost. And I want you to know that when your heart is broken for someone you can't mess it up. You can't possibly mess it up. Y'all bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. Um, I put a great deal of thought into this series. Uh, weeks of prayer. Really is to get us to a point where I, I think I want you to know that you have a gift. And your gift is crucial to the body of Christ. God designed you to help us reach people that are literally weeping right now on a pillow at night, drinking themselves to an empty bottle, looking for hope. And the answer is a radical, loving church filled with the power of God. But I need you to be a part of it. Some of you are scared. What happens if I surrender? to God I, it, it, it may get harder if you surrender to God really but I'll tell you your heart will know freedom every time I say yes to the Holy Spirit good things happen within me with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room I, I'm really not praying for spiritual gifts or tongues or prophecy those things will come if we have a people that want to love God and make a difference in this world. And if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, my life isn't about loving Jesus or making a difference in this world, but today's the day that I, I commit my life to him. I step over the line and I say yes, regardless of whatever that looks like. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you're saying, I need to fully commit my life to Jesus, would you raise your hand right now?
God bless you. And God bless you and you and you and you and you and Jesus. The Spirit of Jesus is here right now. Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to be so bold. I don't care if you've stood up, uh, you stood for Jesus a hundred times. If you just raised your hand, would you please just stand to your feet right now? I believe the Spirit of God's gonna hit you as soon as you stand. Don't be embarrassed. I'm not gonna do anything to you, I promise. We're actually just gonna sing a song, the whole church. You stand to your feet if you just raised your hand. I promise I'm not gonna single you out. But you need to say yes to the Lord when he's calling you right now. will teach me how to love you. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you would teach us how to put you before me. I'm praying, Lord, that you would change me from the inside out with the spirit of Jesus. I'm praying, God, that you would overtake my life. I'm praying, oh God, that you would teach me how to love others the way that you love them. I'm praying, oh God, that you would give me more mission than just going to work every day. I'm praying, God, that you would... Teach me about eternity. That you would put eternity in my heart and you would teach me to love others like the way only you do. Teach me how to pursue love. Lord, I want to earnestly desire your movement in my life. I want to love you above all things. I want to love your spirit's leadership in my life. God, I want to desire you. I want to desire you. I want to cultivate hunger for you. And I'm going to ask the whole church to sing this song. It's an oldie, and some of you may not know it, but I promise it's good for you. If you can get this song in your soul, this is real worship. fresh, it's so freeing. I'm grateful for moments like this. As a pastor, I don't believe it's my job to put knowledge inside of you, but if I could put anything inside of you, it'd be a desire to seek God. So I'm 
coming after the complacency in your life. I'm challenging you to go after the things that God said you can have. Pray. Some of you used to have the gift of tongues and you haven't used it in months. If the scripture says it edifies you, stir it up. Desire, the love for God is huge. Here's how we're going to close today. Um, look, if, if um, you need prayer for anything or you made that decision today, and uh, then we, we have trained people that want to pray for you. Brady, would you come? Teresa, would you come down front? Um, we have some people here that um, want to pray with you. And there's some serious things that's going on in a lot of people's lives. We've got several people that are super gifted at prayer. want to help you. If you have any questions about this or you want these sermon notes, I, I, I'll give them to you. Hey, it's 1 Corinthians 14, but I can show you mine. Um, we have some people that can go over this with you. But really, um, I, I'd beg you to come to prayer on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. Cry out to God with us. Uh, we have house churches all across the city that's meeting this week. If you ain't been to house church yet, sign up. Go online, go on the app, pick a church. We want to see God move in these little ways that, man, like, I want more of Jesus. Great. Next week, we're going to start a whole new series, and it's going to be a completely different subject. Um, man, <laughs> it's going to be ugly, actually. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I love you guys with all my heart and I pray this over you, but I, I bless you today in the name of Jesus that you would have a desire for Jesus above your own flesh, above your own mind, that you would hear the voice of God and run after him. I'm so thankful for a church that's real. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you want prayer for anything or there's something serious going on, we're gonna be in the altar. We wanna meet you. I love you guys.